Let's pick up in chapter 19, starting in verse 28. If you would stand while we read the text. Chapter 19, verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was that the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. All right, you can be seated. Okay, so um, uh, there, I see a few new faces, so our format is... Uh, we, this is an opportunity for you to interact with the text, meditate on it, and whatever you, whatever stands out to you, uh, if you would take the time to share it with the group, uh, it's open discussion. Um, I find that to be, uh, very helpful in assimilating the text, noticing what's there so you can remember it later. And so it can impress upon your heart. So, um, if you have, if something stood out to you, reading the text, something you hadn't read, something uh, that just uh, has always been significant to you, please uh, feel free to share it. Yeah, Mitch. Okay, yeah. Oh, good point, yeah. So I 
find that interesting that they you can kind of see this change in them, or at least in Nicodemus. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good point. So. Uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus earlier and we, we see that in this uh, gospel uh, at night um, seemed to be pretty cryptic and and in secret again another guy in secret and they seem to be doing this instead of observing the Passover maybe so um, they, they took the time um, and, and wanted to honor Jesus in this way and that that's interesting to me because again in real time they don't know that jesus is going to rise on the third day for as far as they know jesus is a failed leader he he died he was crucified he failed he was supposed to lead the jewish nation in a rebellion and set up the forever kingdom but he failed in their eyes but still they take the time to honor him in this way because they realized he was someone very special. Even though they, their faith was kind of in secret because of fear. Other thoughts? Jesse? When it says... Duress. Yeah, so Jesus with the presence of mind as he is in the throes of death, still fulfilling scripture, still li- living out and accomplishing God's plan. Roy? Really? What stands out to me is the water and the blood. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, the, the water and blood. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, speculation as to what that means. Water, certainly, uh, you think of bat- water baptism. Um, blood, uh, you think of turning water to wine, um, and there's a lot of stuff there. It's interesting in, in 1 John, um, well, we're pretty short on time, but in, in 1 John, uh, the, the passage uh, mentions that um, there was a testimony, and it was the water and the blood that testified, and the Spirit. Um, so it, it's interesting how similar... The text is in First John, almost as if John is there and he's watching water and blood flow forth. And for whatever reason, that is so significant to him. He puts it in his gospel when he writes this letter, whatever it is, this sermon in First John. He says, I was there and I can't get that image out of my head. It testified to me. Jesus was man and God and and the Messiah, right? For whatever reason. Any other thoughts on that or, or anything else, Bob? Well, you know, we often talk about Jesus being in control. 
all of the days. And I think the fact that uh, the timing was there was definitely in control. Right. Uh, crucifixion, as horrible as it was, was not a quick death. No. It would last for days long. And that's why they went in to break the legs of the people being crucified so that they couldn't hold themselves up any longer and that would speed up their death. Jesus chose the time of his death. Right, yeah. He said it is finished, right? Good, good, yeah. And also the timing. So, uh, again, if we had uh, limitless amounts of time or even just a little more time, uh, in Exodus you see that there's a preparation of the Passover lamb. You set it aside, you examine, you test it to make sure it's spotless, free from any blemish, that everything is good with that lamb, then on the 14th day, you slaughter the lamb. I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus was tested and tried. He was tempted. Uh, the Jewish leaders all tried to hurl accusations. They tried to find something with Jesus leading up to the Passover, and they couldn't, and Pilate says so. There is no nothing wrong with this man. And that should just echo, there's nothing wrong with this lamb. So we are going to slaughter it. We're going to take a hyssop branch. We're going to rub the blood on the doorpost. Here they take a hyssop branch. They put wine on it. um, Red wine, I'm sure. And accomplish this. um, Just, I mean, the... On the day that they're slaughtering the lamb over here, they're slaughtering the lamb over here. Just... The timing, all of it is just really uh, profound and and, um, really impresses on me the forethought and determination uh, God had. Excuse me, back in Deuteronomy when it's talking about uh, the man that's hanged on a tree, it says a hanged man is cursed by God. So everything had to show that there was nothing wrong with him. He was not cursed by God. Right. He was God. Right, yeah. He he took on our sins and nailed them to the cross just as one would nail a debt to show that it had been fully paid. It was canceled. Other thoughts on the text? Oh, sorry, Dave. Yeah, just just yell. If I don't see your hand, just yell out and start speaking. Yes. Good. Yeah, in Revelation, full circle again, the lamb uh, being slain and all of that coming uh, to pass. It's also interesting that God's plan starts... In the beginning, and then here Jesus says, it's finished. The word, the, the what we have starts in the beginning, and here we're at the end of God's plan. Mike? Well, it said this was the preparation day. Was this the preparation day for the Sabbath or the Passover? So I, I understand that it was the Sabbath, yeah. and that, um, so... Because Christ had already enjoyed the Passover meal with the disciples, right? Right, yes, so exactly. The preparation day where they had to prepare, remove leaven from their house and all this before the second day. Right, so they enjoyed the Passover, 
Um, again, I think this is debatable and I don't know everything um, there is to know about this for sure. But my understanding is there was this Passover feast. The next day was going to be a Sabbath. And so Hebrew calendars started in the evening and went to the next evening. So you ha- you prepare this meal. You have the Sabbath in the evening. And then the next day comes. And now you've got to, I'm sorry, you prepare the Passover in the evening. The next day comes and you've got to prepare for the Sabbath that evening. Um, and so they certainly didn't want Anything to defile the Sabbath. Yeah. It's interesting that it was the Jews that didn't want that, but the Romans took down the body. Right, yeah. I've never quite understood that. There was obviously some connection. Yeah, the the relationship that the Jews and the Romans had is interesting. Um, There does seem to be a, a little bit of a mutual understanding. They bring him to Pilate and say, crucify this guy. Um, yeah, there's a, there's there's some interesting stuff there. Alan? Right. Yeah. 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 Good. Good point. So he's breaking the bread and saying, this is my body, which is prepared for you. Right. Right. Exactly. And and again, the sacrificial or the Passover lamb had to not have any broken bones. Right. So you, you've got that allusion to. OK, great discussion. I'm going to turn it over to Micah to pick up in chapter 20. Continue to discuss this. I hope you you meditate on this further over lunch, the rest of the day, the rest of the week. Um, And thank you for your comments. All right. Again, I appreciate all the comments and the conversation that we have. This is the... uh, This is the most important event in all of human history. This is what motivates us, what drives us. This is what Jesus came to do, was to die and to be raised. Um, Let's continue in chapter 20. I'm going to go ahead and read the entire chapter, and then we'll try and break it down uh, bit by bit. John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. 
Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went to away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they were taken, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she and that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, uh, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be to you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came and the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Okay, let's try and break this down bit by bit. Let's look at maybe the first 10 verses. Here we are 
first day of the week, uh, Mary Magdalene comes and sees this open tomb. She's wanting to, to honor Jesus by, uh, by coming and sees that the stones rolled away. And then runs and goes and tells somebody. She tells Peter and tells the other disciple. They end up running uh, to investigate for themselves to witness what uh, what she is saying. Uh, and they finally get there and they also see that uh, the body is gone. What stands out to you in, the, in at least the first ten verses uh, there? Yes, Joy. I always think that Peter has been the most aggressive of all the, the apostles. And I just think it's interesting that John was the first one that looked into the tomb. Okay. The disciple Jesus left. All right. Yes. Uh, yeah. The uh, she, uh, Peter is usually very impetuous. He's he is one that uh, acts on instinct. Uh, the other disciple is able to get there first. Um, as to the significance of that, maybe if it is John, that would be a very vivid uh, memory of his that I got there first. Um, but uh, that, uh, but Peter, he doesn't stop. He he does just go right on in. Uh, we already talked about. Um, Joseph and Nicodemus uh, being willing to become defiled by going into this area potentially. And so, um, yeah, very good. Yes, Bob. I thought it was interesting that Joseph and Nicodemus had you know, carried the 75 pounds worth of spices and stuff and had prepared the body. Apparently these women did not know that had happened. Because that's one of the reasons they were going to finish the preparation. So I just thought that was an interesting uh, thing. Yeah, whether or not they were aware of that or just because two people honor him and do that, they they want to uh, participate in that as well. I'm just taken back by Jesus' comments. He got up and folded and placed... His wrappings and put him him in a place just like another day waking up, you know. And I mean, here he's come back from the dead and he gets up and folds his kerchiefs and his linens and places them neatly before he leaves. So, just the calmness of that, the thought of that, distracts me. Yeah, in, in verses 6 and 7, uh, the comment is being made about uh, that the uh, the linens are laid finely, the handkerchief is folded over to the side where it ought to be. Yeah, um, if, it, if the body had been stolen, the robbers wouldn't have taken the time to do this kind of thing. That This is, this is something, um, and, and perhaps... If we look at what happened with Lazarus, Lazarus comes out of the tomb still bound. And Jesus says, Un, uh, unloose him. Nobody has to do this for Jesus. That, that to your point, that he is, he is able to take care of this himself. And he, this, this shows that he has mastered death. That he, that he has conquered death and that he doesn't have to wrestle himself out, so to speak, but that he, he is in control of all of that. 
Mr. Allen. I am wondering once I read it somewhere once, uh, for whom was the stone moved? It certainly wouldn't have happened to move for Jesus. It was moved for the disciples to see and the witness. Uh, and, you know, when you think about that news today, Jesus still moves, or stones are still moved for us. Uh, in ways that we can come to believe. It's not that he needs those things. It's not that he needs that stone moved. Okay, so the point is made that uh, the the stone is rolled away for the benefit of those witnesses, um, and so it, we see Mary being a witness um, thanks to that stone being rolled away. We see Peter and the other disciple, and we we've seen even back in the Old Testament. The truth was established by having multiple witnesses. And so we see here that having these witnesses here to attest to the body uh, not being there uh, establishes this truth. Yeah, he the what happens later on as to how he gets into a room with the door closed. Uh, it, we we see that as uh, being special for for him. Good. Yes, Kate. And that's, that's a good point. We we see a little bit, not a, not a ton, but a little bit of uh, the emotions that they're experiencing. That a lot of confusion, not understanding. Uh, we see back in verse nine, they don't understand these the scriptures about him rising again from the dead. Um, but in verse. Verse 2, we see uh, Mary's report, and then again in verse uh, verse 13, uh, that for her, Jesus is her Lord. Uh, good point. Um, so af- after they witness the body being gone, they end up going back home, at least Peter and the other disciple... Let's talk more about uh, Mary as she sticks around uh, there in verses 11 through 18. We see this interaction in this garden uh, between between man and woman. So we can sort of see sort of Genesis language being used here as uh, Jesus being raised here in this garden. Um, So she uh, stoops down into the tomb. She sees these two angels in white asking, why are you weeping? Uh, We've already got the explanation as to uh, why. Uh, She doesn't fully understand what all is going on, where the body is, and things of that nature. Uh, Then she turns around uh, in verse 14 and seeing Jesus, yet not... Uh, not recognizing him. I don't necessarily want to get into what, 
was she so overcome with emotion that she can't see through the tears? Or is he so transformed that he's unrecognizable? Uh, but th- there is something to the fact that she doesn't, she doesn't come to the tomb, see it empty, and be like, yes, he's raised from the dead. She, he, she doesn't necessarily uh, get that from, from that. But we see him in his interaction, what he asks. Yes, Bob. Uh, he did walk through people that were trying to arrest him, and they didn't see him. So, you know, he has that capability of being there, but not being seen. And, and so, uh, I think in this instance, and also in the instance with the man on the road to Emmaus, uh, you know, they didn't recognize Jesus. They didn't know they were talking with him until later. But, uh, you know, Jesus chose And that's a good point. The point being that Jesus knows who, to whom he's going to reveal himself and how he's going to uh, reveal himself. Uh, and so we see, we see this interaction uh, played out. Mike? I always thought it was interesting that Jesus first appeared to Mary... Uh, after his resurrection, and um, I always wondered if this was almost a test of faith for the disciples and the apostles because of the way the culture viewed women and what they would have to say, and they, they were always kind of downplayed um, uh, second uh, second class citizens back then. So I almost wonder if it was a uh, on purpose there because Mary then went back and told the disciples what she had seen, and they didn't believe her. Yeah, Jesus doesn't think who is the most popular, who's the who's the best person who's going to be my mess, uh, messenger uh, by earthly standards. He goes to a woman who was formerly demon possessed uh, to reveal to reveal himself in that in in this way. Um, he asks, uh, woman, why are you weeping? The same question that the angels ask her. Uh, but he also adds, whom are you seeking? We saw that question asked back in chapter 1 with the two disciples of John the Baptist. Whenever they start following him, Jesus asks, what are you, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And so, he, and so she answers, if you've carried them away, tell me so I can, I can take care of them. And Jesus... His response to that is Mary. He, do, he doesn't lecture her. She do, he, he doesn't have a five-point sermon to share. He just says Mary. And I can't help but, but think of what we saw in chapter 10 with Jesus being the good shepherd, knows his sheep and calls them by name. And, 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 no, and there must have been something in the way that he said that, that she recognizes and turns and says, Rabboni. Uh, which which means teacher. That's that's the one of the first titles that he's uh, referred to as back in chapter one, chapter one, verse thirty-eight. But yeah, we we see uh, a lot of ties with what we've seen previously in the book. Other things in here. Yes, Brad. Um, it's interesting that still uh, we see in verse nine they they weren't expecting this. 
they didn't understand that he was going to raise be risen from the dead, right? Um, I'm sure Mary wasn't expecting it either. Maybe that's partly why. Like anytime that you're totally not expecting to see somebody, you might you might not even recognize them because that's the last thing that you expected. Um, but then Jesus is reminding them, "Hey, I told you all of this, and I alluded to this." And he says, I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go tell them, I'm going to go ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God, to remind them, hey, remember when I said, time and all this is going to click? Here it is. Good point that uh, they didn't quite understand and, and they, they saw the circumstances and they forgot the promises of God. And sometimes whenever we are in the thick of things and we, we may start to forget the promises of God, what Jesus has promised to us, how easy it is it for us to forget the promises, for us to forget the scriptures. And, and so, uh, but to Brad's point, he, he brings up verse 17. Don't cling to me. Uh, you need to go. I'm not, my purpose is not to stick around here on earth. I still need to ascend to heaven. And you have a mission, uh, Mary. You are going to, it, I've heard it referred to as she may be the apostle to the apostles. She is being sent to the, to the 12, uh, or the, 11 or 10, however many we want to count them as, uh, that she is being a, she is testifying, she is being a witness. Uh, think back to how the, the, the apostles behaved in the book of Acts, like Acts 4.20, where, where they say, we can't help but speak the things that we've seen and heard. And that's exactly what she does in verse 18. She's seen the Lord, she, she relays the message. Other thoughts? Yeah, very good. The the comment of the the way in which he speaks burns within the witnesses on the road of Emmaus. And even in that, if I if I'm correct, once he breaks the bread, it clicks in their minds, they recognize him. Uh, so, so so just even in that mundane thing, uh, in, from a certain perspective, it clicks in people. Okay. Okay, very good, uh, good point that uh, in, in a sense with verse 17 that we, we do cling to Jesus uh, as, we, as we trust him, as we follow him, um, as the persecutions are going to come. Uh, but Jesus is trying to say now is not the time for that. Um, 
her, her life is not going to stop right there as she prostrates herself uh, before him and she's going to stay there forever. She, there's work for her to do, there's work for him to do as well. Good, good question. Um, the the question being the second part of verse seventeen. I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Um, I, I do have some thoughts uh, on that. Yeah, Luke. reference to our father um, may be when Jesus is instructing them how to pray uh, but uh, he does he does make a separation because the relationship between God the Son and God the Father is different between different from our relationship with the Father so that may explain the the difference in there um, something that stood out to me have you noticed how many times Jesus refers to my father throughout this book. He does it in almost every single chapter. I'm here to do the will of my father. But here, it's my father and your father. My God and your God. We are, we are given the blessing of being children of God. Um, we see back in uh, chapter 1, in the very beginning, verses um, 12, uh, uh, 12 and 13. Um, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, uh, who are born of the will of God. Uh, essentially that... Uh, we get the privilege to have God as our Father. And to have him as our God. We have this covenant relationship. We shall be his people and he will be our God. And we can't have that without a risen Savior. He now can say that after the cross. Mitch and then Julia. It reminds me of uh, in other places where Jesus talks about that you can't have two masters. You will serve one and hate the other or hate one and serve the other. And get the sense that he is maybe bringing up the fact that he has always chosen the will of God over his own, and you have that opportunity to do the same. So whoever you, what you just alluded to, whoever you choose to obey, that's who your father is going to be. Uh, 
whether that's God or Satan. And a good, good point that uh, G, that uh, by them having access to to God as their father, they have an opportunity to to show that by submitting to his will or if as Jesus calls uh, the, the Pharisees and scribes out previously in the book that their father was the devil um, so okay. Julian Very good. Perhaps it, uh, she's saying that there is a an in, a way in which by calling it my father and your father, they're making it personal. It is intimate, not just I'm going to my father and you, but they are being brought along in that. Bob, Nina, and then we do need to move on. You had mentioned that uh, you know he had spoken to before claiming to be sons of God, being children of God. But he says, your father is the devil. Well, they, God wasn't their father because they had sinned and left him. After the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, we now have the opportunity to actually be, have God as our father, just as he was Jesus' father. So here he's entering into that point in time when that is becoming available. Very good. It's now available for us as well to be his, uh, be his children. Basically, was going to make that comment. Except in Galatians, we're told that we're adopted in through Jesus. Absolutely. So that makes the relationship differ, but the uh, blessing is the same. Very good. Yeah, that, that we are adopted into the family. Very good. Uh, let's now jump into 19 through 29. We see Jesus finally appearing to his, uh, to his disciples. We see uh, in verse 19, it's that exact same day that this takes place. Uh, they're, in, they're behind closed doors uh, out of fear of the Jews. Um, but Jesus comes and dissolves that fear. By, by saying, Shalom, peace be to you. Um, and as we saw previously, Jesus speaking with Mary, uh, he says in verse 21, peace, uh, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I'm also sending you. They are going to have, uh, they're going to have this mission as well. Um, and then in verses 22 and 23, he breathes on them and says, uh, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and gives them the message that, with which they are going to share the good news. And whether, whether the, the peoples follow that me- message, if they reject it, uh, that will determine whether or not they have their sins forgiven or not. Whether or not they adhere uh, to that good news and become kingdom citizens or not. Yeah, Mike? So did they receive the Holy Spirit right then or did this just prepare them to receive it on the day of Pentecost? 
I don't know. The, que- <laughs> the question is, when, at what point did they uh, receive the Holy Spirit? I could, I could say either way. Um, it would be my understanding that on the day of Pentecost, they finally have the ability to, to speak in tongues. They don't necessarily, it doesn't look like they have that here. But they could have, in a, in a sense, had that, uh, that spirit with them. Yeah. Receive the Holy Spirit. So that would lend validity to possibly being not until the day of Pentecost, but receive it when you receive it. So, so whether you receive it now or receive it later, there could be either side of that. Yes. Now that's a that's a good point that uh, his breath uh, gives them life, reminiscent of what we see in in the book of Genesis. Uh, but the breath of life has a purpose, right? It's so that they can get to work. That was what was why Adam was given breath so that he could minister uh, as God had designed. And the same thing here that they are given breath so that they can function as God. Uh, has designed. Good. Um, in verse twenty, uh, in verse twenty, does something that stood out to me. Um, he showed them his hands and his side, and the, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. It, from English language, that seems very like an, an understatement. They, they were glad. They, they saw him. Um, but uh, I, I was reminded of chapter 8. And as Jesus is having this back and forth with the Jews. Uh, and saying, you know what? I'm doing the will of my father. Um, he, he says in John 8 verse um, verse 55. Uh, Yet you do not know him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. My father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. And whenever they say, you're not 50 years old, have you seen Abraham? And Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. So perhaps there may be a tie in that they are witnessing and it's clicking to them that Jesus is the I am. That, and there is reason for rejoicing as they witness this. Okay. There's somebody who's missing. Thomas, called the twin, wasn't there. Uh, and uh, we see after they give testimony in verse 25, we've seen the Lord. He said to them, unless I see his hands and, and the print of the nails, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Uh, and eight days uh, go by. Jesus could have potentially just appeared right then and there and said, hey, uh, put your hand in here and look at my hand. And, but he, he goes eight days and, and then he, Jesus is willing to answer this objection. He, he is willing to address this 
for Thomas. And uh, as a result, Thomas, who was once a skeptic, uh, is a much more credible witness. He now sees for for himself. Thoughts on thoughts on that before we come to come to a close. He he wants us all to believe, and that's that's the point of verse twenty nine. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus wants his people to believe. Is he going to make it possible that everybody in earth believes? Not not necessarily, but he wants his people who truly want to believe, he's going to make it possible for them to believe. Very good. Any more thoughts or comments? Ryan, did I see a hand? Yes, and Uh, the question uh, for that question, perhaps what I meant it to to what you just said. God does not want any to perish, but wants all to be saved. Um, that I would say He does not therefore make it so that um, everybody believes. There are still some, as we've seen previously in this book, who, regardless, are going to not believe regardless of the signs even there there would be some people who would still see jesus in this moment and not believe that that's that's what i i meant not not to say that god does not desire that it's that we we will still have a hardened heart if that's what we are going to do Very good. That that we still have that choice. Thank you all so much for your participation. We'll we'll wrap up with chapter twenty one uh, on Wednesday.